is The Unseen, and I'm your host, Mike Cleland. On this episode of The Unseen, we will be talking with Ruben Langdon, and he hosts a series on Gaia TV, and on that show, which is called Interviews with Ed, or Interviews with Extra Dimensionals, uh, he interviews mostly people who have been channeling. He talks to other people, too. And it's really a remarkable series to be, like, sort of clicking on your cable network and watching this stuff. And it's very nicely produced. It's got a very calm vibe about it. And you can sense that he is really digging into this subject for what seems to be very personal reasons. Uh, And we talk about that during this upcoming show. And he's got a nice, genuine way about himself. And I'm cautious to say this, but there's this kind of, you know, oh, golly, like he's he's really in the moment and he's really being himself in these shows. At least that's certainly what I sense. And, and this was a really fun conversation. Okay, before we get into it, yes, channeling, there's all kinds of pitfalls in channeling. We could have spent the full hour trying to parse out what was real and what wasn't about channeling and if it's if it's trustworthy or not. I, I didn't bother going there at all. I maybe should have, but I didn't. Um, I really wanted to hear, I guess I really wanted to hear his excitement over this subject when it was, it was fun. This was a nice, fun interview. And it went a little bit long, so I'm going to keep this introduction to a minimum. This audio conversation was recorded Monday, February 17th, 2020. Please enjoy. Ruben, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. It means a lot to me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been watching your show, the first season of your show on Gaia TV, and it's really, I mean, I got to say it is pretty far out, even for Gaia. (laughs) I mean, you're way out at one end. Like, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with the continuum, right? So at one end of the UFO research continuum, there's these kind of men with mustaches that research government documents and stuff. Right, right. And at the other end are these kind of women in flowy dresses and talking channeling and talking their space brothers. And you are way out on that on that limb. How how has that been for you to be the the voice, I guess, for for that end of what is already a very strange field? You are in the in the strangest waters for doing this. Well, well, my friend uh, Jeremy Corbell, colleague um, and fellow filmmaker, uh, he has this saying, his, his mom used to call him and, and say, Jeremy, you're, you're DPB, uh, you're, you're, you're deep in the peanut butter. And that's sort of the nice way. There's another word that also starts with the D, uh, that I don't necessarily have to say, but you can imagine what it might be. And if it's in the peanut butter, that means you're, you're very deep into some <laughs> very deep subjects. And, uh, I laugh that I'm, a DPB. I'm as deep in the peanut butter as you can possibly go. Um, and let me add, peanut butter is sticky. It can be sticky. It can be <laughs> crunchy. There's all kinds of different flavors of peanut butter, and and you can you know can do a lot with it. Um, <laughs> you let your imagination go wild. But no, I, I I enjoy the peanut butter. It's it keeps life interesting. Uh, I started out in the field uh, more of sort of a your standard researcher. 
uh, evidence-based, looking at the science. I had my own experiences and wanted to, to, to figure that out and, you know, produced, I don't, I don't know if you saw my bio, but I, I produced the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure in uh, 2013. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's the other end of the continuum. So you were you, had, you you were as far out of the peanut butter as you could be with that one. There was no peanut butter in the room yeah. for that one. No, it was a very straight, uh, you know, I mean, depending on who you're talking to, some people would still say that's very much in the peanut butter. But but they uh, haven't seen your show then. So if they say that. But they haven't seen my show yet, exactly. So I started in that realm and, um, you know, still am, have mad respect for, for the researchers and for the the uh, military of, um, personnel who are coming forward and for Jeremy who I just mentioned Jeremy Corbell my my colleague uh, we still are colleagues and he is doing amazing work with you know his Bob Lazar film uh, his his research into Skinwalker Ranch and uh, and he continues to 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 go down the more evidence based stuff and uh, for me. I had more questions that weren't getting answered, and I sort of found the answers I was looking for diving into uh, this this wacky world of channeling. Um, it's a two-sided coin, so, you know, with every answer comes even more questions. And then you just go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Uh, but what I found is going down that rabbit hole, I've been able to connect a lot of dots that hadn't been able to be connected otherwise from uh, certain, you know, modalities as far as like, uh, you know, Qigong or martial arts. I'm, I've been a martial artist for most of my life and going into doing like internal martial arts like the Qigong and chakras and these these things that uh, you know we sort of label as woo woo and um you know you're talking about the the girl in the dress and you know that sort of uh mystical esoteric world uh i've been finding been able to bridge and connect the dots between that world and the more evidence-based world uh quantum physics now is becoming uh is it's been played a huge part in in this evolution and understanding the mechanics of of uh, of sort of channeling and how this could work and and the possibilities. So it's been really exciting because uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is what I'm trying to do in a sense is ground in this information and make it more palatable and uh, and I guess my service that I like to offer with the show is by asking these questions and by going down this path and and sort of going through my own evolution is, is to, is to do that and using myself as the Guinea pig and presenting, uh, it in the, uh, in the way that I do in the show is, you know, hopefully if you watch it in order, you can sort of see my own development, my own growth in understanding these concepts and these ideas, uh, that are coming across through the channeling world. Now it's not specifically channeling, right? First of all, I, I recognize this is that was great that you said that because I don't think it really comes up too much in the show, but that your your personal history in martial arts, for me, that makes perfect sense how that would be grounding for you to take on these other things. And I've had, I will almost say my, my um, I'm an illustrator and an artist, and I would say my, like I'm coming at this as an artist, not as a journalist or not as a as a scientist or not as a, you know, like, like I, I think I drive the scientist in this field, which there aren't many, 
I think I drive the um, the people who are are too grounded. Let's say I drive them crazy mm -hmm. with my, my with my stuff <laughs> sure. because because I'm <laughs> sure. you know I'm looking for my own answers, and I'm mm -hmm. coming at it as a you know what I say is I come at it as a folklorist, right? So a folklorist yeah. is someone who studies this, you know, like like this is a, my opinion is modern mythology in the making. Okay, so let me get back to my question, I, which I, I, I well I I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I agree with that 100%. And, and the deeper I'm diving into this, uh, it's really comes, and we can go deeper later with this, but I, it's really about storytelling and that we are all storytellers and, and mythology and archetypes. And that's where the show is really leading me with, with all of this, and, and, and including science. I know scientists don't like to see it from that perspective, but um, I like to incorporate it all. I like to see the scientific perspective, and I like to see how we can all find the commonality as opposed to the separation yeah but it's not your job to make a scientist happy let me put it that way no <laughs> no it's not <laughs> so it's because you're never gonna you know so here let me jump back C can you give a little rundown of what the show is the title and just so people who are not familiar with it can come up to speed sure it's it's called interview with ed extra dimensionals um actually gaia calls it in Interviews. They added an S to it. Interviews with Ed, which kind of works uh, better. I it it started out as as an, an experiment. Um, I I thought about doing a documentary film, and uh, I used to have uh, back in in twenty as I was producing the the Citizen Hearing, we had a, a group a once a month group called the ET Media Group. And we had guys like uh, Daryl Anka, who channels Bashar, and uh, Wendy Kennedy and Nora Harold, who have been in my show, um, would come to this, these monthly uh, meetups. And we and they're sort of in the L.A. area. And we'd talk. We'd have all kinds of people, contactees um, and researchers. And we'd have monthly guests like Barbara Lamb uh, was one of our guests. And then she became a regular visitor. Uh, you know, attendee, I should say. Um, we had Richard Dolan. We had um, uh, Senator Mike Gravel, who is part of the Citizen Hearing. And we had these different guests to come and talk about the ET subject. And it was really just a, a, a gathering place to uh, try to have a conversation that people normally don't have a conversation about. Uh, and it's becoming more and more a, a normal conversation now that uh, you have, you know, Tucker Carlson on Fox News mention it every week now. Uh, and the, the disclosures that are happening and it's definitely becoming a, a weekly conversation but at that time it was not so much and that's something that i wanted to encourage and uh as i was producing the citizen hearing and interview and talking with and interviewing contactees and trying to get a better handle on uh what what the phenomenon was um on the side, I started having conversations with with Wendy and Nora, um, not so much Daryl, but I started uh, watching some of his material, uh, his channel material. And what I found was that the the answers or some of the subjects that they were talking about were sort of filling in all of the mystery questions that uh, experiencers and abductees and contactees sort of had but couldn't quite fill in. And they as well as the evidence that was being presented in, in all these different cases that we that we had. So so I was like, well, this logically, this makes sense what they're saying. Let's 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 go with it. Let's keep going down that rabbit hole. So I wanted to produce a, a, a documentary 
sort of focusing on the channeled um, teachings, I should say, teachings or, 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 or knowledge that was coming through these cha- these channelers in this channel um, format. And I, after the two interviews I did with Nor and Wendy, I had so much content that I was like, there's no way I can edit this down uh, and make it make sense in a, in a two hour movie with, you know, and I had many other channelers slated to interview. So I decided to, to turn it into a series format. And then I was like, how long is this going to take to create? If I going to, how am I going to create a series? What am I going to do? And, and, and then it just sort of naturally developed. And uh, originally it was going to be called interview with ET, but then, just through the first uh, channeled sort of message through through Wendy and trying to define what these uh, messages were, uh, they sort of told me in the channelings that uh, a more proper term uh, to associate with with this idea of ET even is ED, extra dimensionals or interdimensionals. It's more of a dimensionality phenomenon than an actual uh, terrestrial or outside of. Uh, it is both. Uh, an extraterrestrial phenomenon, but it, now that we are developing a language uh, in our science through um, quantum physics and multiverse theories that we're starting to see in our mainstream uh, movies and whatnot, we're starting to have a better understanding of what it's closer to than sort of the standard, you know, spandex suit ETs flying around in flying saucers. Not that that doesn't exist, just that it this adds more layers to it and we're able to go deeper and have a better conversation, understand it better. So that's where the name came up. And then I've sort of just been going with it. It's been a personal journey for the past five years that I would go and do these interviews. And I had no idea if they would ever see the light of the day, but I would sort of self-distributed them on Vimeo for a bit. Oh, let me then, interrupt. There was a beautiful interview that you did. There was a lovely interview you did with um, Jacqueline Smith Yes, and... And what's his name? Um, Robert, Robert Fullington. Fullington. Robert Fullington, yes. Yes. And I I saw that when it came out. It was just like, I can't remember how I found it. It was just like some little click on Facebook. And all of a sudden I was watching this, I think it was on Vimeo or YouTube. Right. And when I watched it, I was like, wow, this is not like Hollywood soundbite razzle-dazzle. This was these two <laughs> people sitting on a couch, very thoughtful, telling their stories completely and I was I was like I paid attention to you from that point on because I I recognize that this stuff needs that it needs a thoughtful long format way to explore these issues yes and that's sort of what the series has become um, again with the channelings as a as a sort of a backbone but not limited to the just the channel uh, knowledge, because to me, we're all channelers. We're all artists. We're all able to tap into these other dimensional realms uh, and gather information and bring it back into this realm. And some of us have the unique way of doing it through the art of channeling, but we have shamanic practices that date thousands of years through, you know, medicine journeys or through um, uh, shamanistic uh, indigenous teachings uh, we have ET contact. We have dream. Uh, next season, I'm going deep into uh, dream work and into exploring dream realms. Um, there's just so much 
out there to connect to, to modalities to connect to these other dimensional realms, I, I hate to limit it to just channeling. So, uh, but, but my, through my specific lens, which is sort of the ET contact because of my own ET experiences, or I should say UFO sightings slash I've had some contact experiences as well. So that lens is, is quite strong and I tend to, you know, focus in on, on those, uh, types of stories, you know, talking earlier about this, this idea of, of storytelling and, 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 uh, archetypal energies and what we're doing here. But, um, I love the ET story and I love how it's being told now in the mainstream and you have, you know, like I said, amazing researchers like Richard Dolan and others who are, uh, really getting behind the science and the evidence, uh, which we have plenty of, you know, you just have to look for it. Yeah, we have plenty of evidence. I want to get into this as deep as we can do in the time allotted. I want to jump into the deepest waters of the pool. Sure. I don't want to be superficial on this. So I'm, this is, you're talking my language here. This is almost exactly the reason I said yes to Whitley when he asked me to do this podcast series. It, like almost word for word, what you're trying to say here is to, is to explore these, the big, big questions. Yes. And we can do that. After our first break, for free Dreamlanders, you're going to hear a few commercials. For paying members, we will be right back. We are back on The Unseen with Ruben Langdon, and we are talking about, I guess, about the people who are channeling and are tapping in to something deeper that seems partially connected with UFOs and partially connected with some sort of ultra-terrestrial or... or extra dimensional aspect that's that's well beyond our limited understanding of what this reality is there that's a very long gobbledygook explanation <laughs> for which is what i struggle with too because that's what i'm have been wrestling with so this is going great i'm really happy to hear this you hinted that you had so a ufo sighting is one thing and you kind of implied that you may have had ufo contact if you're comfortable talking about that i would love to hear about that yeah it's uh you know, I think we've all had contact in different ways and unique ways. And, and I guess my the best way I can describe this experience, which I actually did a, a an in-depth interview with Linda Moten Howell because she had been doing a lot of research in uh, in interviewing people with, uh, I guess, contactees or people with experiences with uh, mantis beans. And uh, out of all of this, all of my interviews, and I'm interviewing, you know, Palladians and people who channel uh, beans from uh, Lyra and uh, where else? I don't know, Zeta Reticuli and all these things. But the, the mantis beans have been sort of this mystery. And Linda had done some research on it, and I was doing some reading of her stuff. And uh, lo and behold, I have a mantis bean show up in my, <laughs> my reality. It was a night of a uh, several years ago. And this is why I actually, which really propelled me to do that interview that you mentioned earlier with Robert and Jacqueline, um, is because I had my own experience with the mantis beans and they had claimed to be human mantis hybrids. So I kind of wanted to see, okay, where is this conversation going to go? And not telling them actually was sort of being revealed in the interview before the interview. I said, I think I've had some mantis experiences, but I didn't tell them exactly what. And it was sort of my goal in that interview 
was to pull from them to see how closely related my experiences were with theirs. And lo and behold, like some pretty detailed stuff came out uh, that sort of made my, you know, rocked my world a little bit, sort of validated the experience. Uh, and I continue to talk to people who, who uh, either channel mantis beans or have had experiences with mantis beans that, uh, again, just validate the stuff that happened. And, and it's not like a big bean came into the room or anything like that. It, it was uh, really, I started, um, uh, how do I say this? I started having some physical ailments in the sense that my teeth started clattering. I started um, tapping my fingers and not feeling well in a sense. And I was like, oh, I got to go lay down. Uh, I was driving. Uh, it was I was out on a mountain pass watching the uh, the solar eclipse the, or lunar eclipse um, several years ago. Oh, the the one of two thousand seventeen. Uh, the big no, one could, where that like that could have been it. Yeah, you know, the summertime was August. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think that was, that was it. One. Yeah, that was a big one. And <laughs> and just I remember watching it, and it was so surreal and just just like otherworldly. Uh, from my view up here in Big Bear, California, I had an amazing view of it. And um, then it sort of was done, and I had some friends, and we were got in the car, and I sort of took a breath, and I felt this weird energy come over me, and I was just kind of I was like, oh man, I, I gotta get I gotta get home. I don't feel well. And I started driving home and on the drive, I started, my teeth started clattering and I was just kind of weird. And I was like, okay, there's something bizarre is going on here. Got home and uh, went, went to bed basically. And, and it felt, I don't know, it felt like a couple hours. It, it was probably only realistically like 30 minutes. But all I can say is I had this telepathic download of information um, from this mantis beam. And I didn't get a name or anything like that. I just got images and I say telepathic. And if anybody's out there who's had these types of experiences in contact, then you'll know what I mean. Uh, and it's hard to say what exactly is telepathic communication, but, uh, I got images, feelings, sensations, um, ideas that I can truly say were not my own in a sense that yes, maybe my imagination could have been making it all up, but uh, I was getting specific answers to questions that had developed through the show. I'd already been in the process of, of, of filming the show and asking people about, uh, different, you know, the hybrids and the different, um, ideas and, you know, listening to Whitley, actually, uh, going back, Whitley was one of our guests at the, at these ET media groups, um, uh, and back in the Marina del Way. So, uh, I've known of Whitley and his work and fascinated with his story and, um, <clears throat> but getting this, going back to, 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 to my contacts, so I was just getting all this information, um, sort of, you know, people have used this analogy and I think it's, it's probably the closest. It's like getting downloaded a zip file. Um, and energetically I was literally like vibrating in the bed. Like I, my body was shaking and, um, uh, you know, a little scared, but then because I had enough knowledge of, you know, the, the ET contact experiences interview and other people, I'm like, okay, this is probably just, uh, this is what happens, you know, <laughs> not being super scared. Um, and then it was all done. And I, then I had this vast amount of knowledge now about, uh, about the mantis beans and the role in the universe and what's going on. And, 
And then it was like, well, what do I do with that information? What, how do you unpack that? And then over time, you know, through these interviews and through meeting other people, I've been able to talk about it, express my experience, validate it with, you know, Linda and other people who've had these experiences and, uh, and then, and then try to integrate it. You know, this is this, I think this is what all of this is ultimately about is we're connecting to these other dimensions whether it's through the contact experiences or again, like I was saying, shamanic work or whatever it is, dream work. And then, and then you take that information and then you integrate it into this reality, uh, which means having the conversations, acting in, an, in a new way. Most uh, contactees that I know have had these experiences. It changes their life. It changes how they perceive reality. So then they start taking action and doing things in a different way than they used to. And uh, oh, there's my uh, bird clock. <laughs> oh, so I was so going to say that the birds are chirping out your window, but I, it's, it's, it's an actual it's the top of the hour. We got the top of the hour. There we are. Um, I think that's going to go. Okay. Uh, then <laughs> I forgot I had that. Then um, so I think, yeah, I think a big part of this, these experiences is the integration part. And, and I talk about this in my show a lot, and this is what, a lot of these extra dimensional beings or collectives that uh, that that give us this information or that when I'm asking these questions, you know, they they, they emphasize this a lot. It's it's really um, it's one thing to have and gain the knowledge and have the information. But what are you going to do with it and to integrate it into society, into our lives? And I think truly that's what this is all about. I think this is why we're having these experiences, why it continues and. And it's part of it's part of human evolution is to integrate this information so we can, you know, have a better life in a sense uh, uh, here on, on this planet. And and integrating it. I mean, you're doing it on a mainstream, you know, uh, I'm not even sure cable is the wrong word. I'm not sure what it is, a mainstream network. And I mean, again, on my Roku feed, you know, like Gaia TV is right there next to like, you know, MSNBC and, and Netflix. I mean, it's. It's mainstream and and yeah, it took I a while to pick it up, but but it uh, I sort of teased it and you know dangled that carrot for a while, and they were like, no, we don't do channeling. That's too far out there for us. And I'm like, oh, if anybody's going to do it, you guys are going to do it. And then they they decided to to air it, and yeah, last summer it was the number one show. On number Gaia. one show, right on for yeah. right, right on for taking David Wilcox down off his throne right there. I don't. Know. <laughs> I might have to edit that out. But. <laughs> no, I don't. I, well, this was after he resigned from the network. So I think. Uh, I, oh, OK. okay. I, don't know so. if, I don't know if I was competing with him per se, but uh, but yeah, he's got a lot of content on, on the on the network already. So but yeah, I mean, beating out guys uh, more impressive for me was, you know, Greg Braden and, and um, uh, Bruce Lipton and some of these guys have their amazing shows and amazing information and and my little you know independent show was actually numbers wise beating out them uh you know the gaia well-polished self-produced shows that they they put out uh my little indie show was um beating them out was 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 kind of a big surprise for me but also at the same time showing me uh what a need for for this type of content there is and for people to and for all the people who are having these experiences uh I, I guess i'm sort of again for me also having these experiences 
is giving a validation, giving them a, a platform to stand on in a sense that the stuff is real. You know, yes, science maybe hasn't fully caught up with it, but it's catching up very fast. And people are having these experiences and we need to have this conversation, the time for us to, to be shunning this stuff and not rolling our eyes and saying, oh, that guy's crazy. Like those days need to go away because by, by doing that, we're closing the door to so much uh, when it comes to potentials of where we can take the human race and where we can go with our exploration of space and inner space and outer space, both. I think they're, they're, they're one and the same. And we really need to, to, yeah, start like the conversation we're having right now. This is, this is the best. And, and I'm going to say, so I'm going to, you, you have a responsibility, right? So there's, you've tapped into something people are hungry for and, and you must sense it, that, that feeling of responsibility. I certainly do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. That, that people are hungry for this and you can't deliver half a, you know, you, you got to go to the deepest things. You can't deliver a, a light show. Well, yeah, it's for me. I, I, it's always got to be fun, no matter what. And this is this is true passion. It's ne it's never, uh, it's never a burden. But you're right in the sense that, yeah, you're gonna spend now that I know, like I'm I'm finishing up season two here for for Gaia now. And um, before it was sort of the self-produced, self-distributed, uh, fun show. And yeah, if there was a you know a crack in the mic or you know a a, a camera angle a little out of focus. That's ah, okay. It's not not a big deal. It's more about let's just get it out there for people to see. But now now that people are actually seeing it, and uh, and yeah, that responsibility. Um, I still it's still a lot of fun for me, and it will always be. I will you know my my sort of the way I see the world now is I don't want to do anything that's not fun. Uh, anything that I do by choice, career wise, is going to be fun, or I'm not going to do it. So. Still absolutely fascinated with these uh, interviews and the direction it's going in the show. And I'm just so excited that people are resonating with the material. And uh, I get emails every day. Just got one before we logged on here. Uh, how, you know, how much the show is, is, is helping people. And, and ultimately, that's, I think, the big one one aspect is, of course, we get to find out about the universe and different uh, ideas of different extra-dimensional beings and, you know, what type of species are there out there and, and how they act and all this stuff. That's, to me, and I think you can see this in the show, that's really like 10% of the show. 90% of the show is how, to, how do we self-empower everybody on the planet and how do we create everybody to be as sovereign as possible and really thrive individually, which then reflects collectively. And those that's truly, you know, if you listen to the information that's coming from these channelers and from these interviews and everything else, it's really no different than something like, you know, uh, Tony Robbins or Joe Dispenza or, you know, Bruce Lipton and, and what these guys are saying. It's just put in a, you know, we're just getting a little extra spin on it because it's, it's got it's in this ET package and format, but truly it's it's the same information. It's the same information that would you could trace back to you know, I'm thinking even like the Bible and yeah. and you know, the shaman in the jungle would say is saying the same thing that someone in a Gaia TV studio is saying. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's all the same 
uh, basic self-help information, but we're just taking it another step further into maybe finding the origins of the information and looking at it from a from a more pulled back lens of oh okay other civilizations other societies um, other archetypal energies and where does this come from and, and how does all that work so it's 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 just a different lens for the same stuff and what excites me is to see the lights that go on when people receive the information and they actually apply it to their lives and they do start taking control, taking reign over their, their they, they get out of the victimhood idea and, and they start actually uh, becoming a, a, a conscious creator. You know, these, these are kind of buzzwords that are out there, but conscious creators of their own reality. And that's essentially what it, it is. It's about teaching people, hey, we we are creating this this quantum hologram and uh, we just we just need to shift a couple things here and there to, to make it so we can all get along a little bit better and and have um, uh, a better I hate to use the word better but have an experience that we can uh, we can gain from and 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 move through and move past some of the harder experiences and move towards the 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 more enriched. Uh, and I'll use the words, but it's not really like this, but better, better way of life. Yeah. So I, I, um, I go back to Joseph Campbell, you know, follow your bliss. Yes. Follow your bliss. Yes. That doesn't mean it's easy. No. I mean, following your bliss might be a real challenge. And I bet you're doing your, you still have to get up early in the morning, I bet, and catch planes and, and do really pragmatic stuff to put your <laughs> series together. And I bet you it's a lot of work. But it's fun. It's fun work. Yeah. Yeah. But you, what you were going to say is it's those, uh, you know, catching the early flights and, you know, going through those rough spots are made a little bit easier because you are following your bliss. And I think a lot of people that are in rough, rough times or rough spots in their life, uh, it's that much rougher because they're not really doing what they enjoy. And if we can sort of shift that in, in a big, the biggest lesson, I think that, that, that most uh, of these messages and ETs and everybody are saying is, is yeah, follow your bliss, follow your joy follow your excitement, follow your passion. Uh, and when you do that, then these rougher points in our life just become more, you know, it's, it's doable. It's not, it's not as rough. I, I could not agree more. And I have been struggling, right? So I've changed my life, changed track. I started writing these books. I had these experiences. These books fell into place because of these experiences. And, you know, a lot of work, a lot of work. They didn't get written by accident. They were they were not channeled books. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I will say that they, I, I can say this, the books I wrote were not channeled books, but they did come about through magical means. Mm -hmm. I can say that. So, hey, we are at the point in the show where we will be taking our second break. For free Dreamlanders, you will hear a few commercials. For paying members, we will be right back. We are back for the final half of The Unseen, and on this episode, we are talking with Ruben Langdon about his work for Gaia TV, talking to channelers, but not specifically channelers, people who are tapping in to this deeper reality. And I want, Ruben, I want you to, for the next half hour or so, let's cherry pick some gems from your show. There's a, there's a lot of content there. 
And there must have been a time or two where you kind of went, aha, like someone said something. And often, so the, the, the show, big chunks of it, are you talking with your guest. Your guest sometimes has two voices. They have the voice of their, you know, <laughs> their, the, when they wake up in the morning and brush their teeth, there's that voice. Right. And then they their channeled voice. So if you have an example of something that kind of, um, a moment of clarity for you. Well, yeah, um, a lot of the channeled information is very dense in its content. And uh, when, to be honest, when I'm filming, uh, I, I try to be as present as I can with, you know, listening and asking the questions. And I really want to just have a conversation and I'm filming that so everybody can sort of watch what that conversation is about. But there's a lot of technical things that I'm thinking about. And until recently, I hadn't had any help. I'd been running this whole show on my own, uh, setting up the cameras. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait a minute. So you would go there, just you alone, in a, in a like a in <laughs> yeah. a couple of duffel bags full of like yeah. light stands and microphones. Yeah, ex yes, exactly. Right on for you. Good for you. That's a, that's awesome. And, and set, setting up all these cameras and trying to make sure it's in focused, and you know, really th thinking about batteries and all that stuff, and setting my alarm, and you know, th this is. And and I'm still in season two. I still had to do that for a few episodes. But, you know, now that I've got an audience, I've got a little bit of a budget now. I've, I can have some friends come along and, and help out. But still, technically, there's a lot to think about. You're, and I try to shoot a lot of my uh, stuff out, outside just to have a different look and a different feel. Um, I feel it, you, you there's gives and takes. You When you go outside, you're dealing with the elements. You're dealing with sound. You're dealing with the sunlight constantly changing, uh, but you're also dealing with nature and beauty and, and, and it can be rewarding. And in, in some of the episodes, it's great. And some of the episodes, there's like sun in my eyes that I can't see anything or somebody else's, uh, you know, the lights off or whatever. So during the interviews, I'm sort of worried about all that. So I don't really get to fully engage, in, especially during the channeled sessions with the content as much as I'd like to. Uh, but I know I'm going to be in editing and I'm going to, you know, as you were mentioning prior to us getting on the show, you were saying, you know, you edit these these things yourself and it's a lot of work. And and for me, that part is a is a big part of my process in listening to the information over and over and over and over and over and over again, like, you know, 20, 30 times. And each time. I listen to it, I get a new nugget, a new puzzle piece, a new dot connects to something from before. And this is the beauty of the channeled information is it's so dense and and it's it literally is multidimensional in its uh, delivery. And I pick out things, even now I could go back and watch old episodes that and probably get new information that I didn't have when I was when I first saw it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the beauty of it is this information is eternal and it never gets old and you can watch it a million times and still get new nuggets and new bites. For example, as you're asking for examples, um, I was just editing uh, a piece and uh, this new interview I did with Lisa Royale. She, she channeled a different being in past episodes. I had her, uh, I interviewed Sasha, a Palladian being. So she's interviewing, um, or I interviewed a being named Harmon from Sirius that she's recently started channeling. And during that interview, 
I'm asking about a lot of the things that we've heard in the past, Anunnaki, you know, the seeding of humanity, the the 13,000 year cycles, the 26,000 year cycles that the Mayans and things talk about. But during during that process, I'm always getting I'm finding little nuggets or a little something slips through that I'm like, oh, that connects to what that person over there said and this thing and that thing. And there's all these connections. And initially, I started to see these connections through this material. And I thought that these people were just all reading the same books and just regurgitating some, you know, uh, Zachariah Stitchin or something like that. And they're just like putting their own spin on it and that's it. But as I spent more time with the channelers, uh, you know, would literally go and hang out. And a lot of them have become close friends, uh, looking at their libraries, you know, not even telling them, but I'm actually secretly looking at their book libraries, seeing what books they're reading and seeing if they are sort of regurgitating the same information. And to my surprise, they're not. Uh, they are not, and some of them intentionally do not even pay attention to other people's material because they don't want to be influenced by it. So when you have people doing that and these nuggets, these, these dots getting connected, uh, then, then you start to see a bigger picture. You're like, oh, okay, there's something behind the veil. These realities do exist. There is sort of another world uh, that's beyond our world that these different entities and these different beings are communicating with each other. For example, you know, um, this being that uh, the Daryl Anka channels, the Bashar being, is having conversations with the Sasha being that that. Uh, the Palladian being and they're they're all working in tandem to help you know with this contact this, Ooh, this let me interrupt so that so what's yeah. the context of this conversation where Bashar is like Daryl Anka is sitting well, with this woman Lisa and they're they well no no, no. this is just this is well, yeah well this is just different channeling sessions different interviews I'm finding nuggets of where information is being shared behind the veil. Oh, I get you. I get sense. you. So it's unfolding for you oftentimes in the editing process where you'll like, I almost want to say, are you tapping into one long continuous conversation that's like being presented to you? In a sense. Yeah. That might be it, too big of an of overview, but something to that effect. Yeah. So a lot of the, the, these dots and this, again, my personal journey in this is I'm just seeing the, the connections that the, like, I, I guess the easiest way to say it is that there's a, there's a conversation happening behind the scenes, behind the veil, so to say, uh, with these different entities, different collectives. Um, it does get filtered through these individual beings who are channeling this. So the conversation is, it's a filtered conversation and it's not, exact and a lot of people will like he said something that contradicts the other person and this is that and yes that happens all the time but my understanding of how the channeling phenomenon works and 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 this idea of storytelling like you were just saying with joseph campbell is we each are telling our own stories and there's a bigger story a collective story of archetypal energies and things like this that that already exist and we filter it through our individual stories as individual humans in this existence and we're all telling a story through just us living it on this planet but uh what i like and i guess and i know this is super vague for your your question there but what i'm seeing is the the bigger collective story the behind the veil story that i like to say and and all the dots that are being connected there and how it's unfolding for me and being told to me 
in this way, if that's making any sense. Oh, you have no idea. That makes a lot of sense. So you're, as I said earlier, when, before we started the show, like I've worked on three books and it has to deal with like this completely outlying aspect of the UFO experience or the UFO phenomena, which is owls. So I have been wrestling with this one tiny fractal of a, of a concept. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of references to owls in other UFO books or people's experiences. It'll be like, you'll get a book, a big fat book, and there'll be a paragraph about owls. Mm -hmm. And I, because of my own experiences, tried to boil all that down and try to put it in one big soup and mix it up and see what, what that meant. And, and what I came away with is that, and again, this, just like you said, it might be vague, but there's a, there's a bigger, grander reality. And the owl is a, an archetype. Mm -hmm. It is tapping into something within us. Like that's, that's what an archetype does, right? It's, it's something we're all imbued with. It's something we all know. We all, we go see Star Wars, right? And we watch a movie where Luke Skywalker like flies around in a spaceship and shoots laser beams. Right. That's what we're seeing on the surface. Below the surface, we are seeing the story of a hero an ancient story. Mm -hmm. So that's the same with the owl. And, you know, you see an owl, it's a bird, it's got big eyes, and there's something deeper. On a deeper level, there's a message imbued with that owl, and that is what I have been wrestling with. So so I, yeah. I understand that. I understand that very well. Hey, you were hypnotized by Barbara Lamb on your show. <laughs> Was there a film crew there for that one? I had I invited my friend Daniel to come and film that one. Yeah. Okay. How, how was it? Were you a little nervous, like being had the camera on you and everything, or a little bit? Um, I well, let's see. Had I? I'm trying to think. Uh, that may have been the first time that I had actually been hypnotized. I think it was. I think I did the the other one shortly after the interview because I, of what I experienced during that interview. Oh, here. Let me just butt in now. Mm -hmm. So hypnosis within the UFO lore is that is as contentious as it gets. Some people are zealots and say every single morsel of information that has ever been gained through hypnosis should be thrown out. We should put it all in the trash. Mm -hmm. And there's others that say, no, that this is a valuable tool to uncovering the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, truth for me would be in quotes because it's a very mysterious realm you you slip into when you're when you're hypnotized. So so given that, how was your experience? Well, the the the, the best the best thing that I took away from it was really um, having a better understanding of the channeling phenomenon. So when most of these channelers they go into sort of a, a hypnotic state, they sort of induce a self hypnosis in a way. Uh, the, the best analogy that I that I uh, like to use is they they take a, a, a seat in the back seat of the car. So if you're normally you're you're driving your car, uh, your body, you know, through this reality, navigating it, and you're always in the driving seat. Um, the channeling phenomenon to me, with the way I felt at that time, and and I've and I felt it a few other times. I've I've slipped into that state since then. You're still in the car but you're in the back seat. So there's somebody else driving. And that's the first time I really could understand that and try to, to, or put a, a feeling to that. And there's, you know, my mouth was talking, my mouth was moving, but I was conscious of what was being said, but I wasn't thinking about what was being said as it was being said. Uh, for example, I blew my own mind in real time when 
Barbara was, there was a conversation, I forget the exacts, but I said something to the extent that the question uh, actually contains the same vibrational frequency as the answer. So the, um, the value of asking questions is very important and it leads, the, 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 the question holds the answer for all questions. So the art of asking questions is, is very important. Um, but this, I had never heard this information prior, especially in the format, the way I said it. Uh, and I remember coming out of my mouth and I'm like, wow, that's pretty profound. How did, I don't remember ever saying or knowing that. And, and, and that's, I think this is what this, this the, the channeling phenomenon, what it is, 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 is it's, it's that it's literally taking a back seat, allowing this, this other, um, consciousness to, well, the way uh, Daryl he describes it, and and this is he actually my my first episode of of season two is with Daryl Anka, and he describes it as you're matching a frequency. You're not technically being taken over by any other being, uh, and they're not taking over and you know coming through you so to say, but you're matching a, a frequency that already exists, a consciousness frequency that already exists in the ether, and you're connecting to that like a like a radio device, a TV or a radio, and you're tuning into a radio wave that already exists in the ether, and you're just simply playing it through your device. So that's, to me, the, those analogies, the getting in the backseat, playing the radio uh, signal, it, that these are kind of the closest analogies I can use. And, and really, the experience with Barbara Lamb and, and having her walk me through that helped me feel that. And, and so I could now have a better vocabulary of how to describe it as I am now on the show here, you know, to, to understand that. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. Barbara was kind of thrown off when I asked her if she could do that for me, but she's open to channeling. She's, um, I think she's a, a fan of Lisa's work and she's been to several events and she's, uh, just a blessed soul. And, you know, I love her work and she's been around the, the woo woo for a while and, and had a lot of fun experiences. So she was perfect. Yeah. And I have, I've, I've spent a lot of time with Barbara Lamb and she's been so gentle mm -hmm. with, with me. I, so here I'll tell a very short story and, and, and I don't want to derail your talk, but I think it would have been 2009. I was in Laughlin, Nevada at a UFO conference. And I, I had talked with Barbara a great deal at that point, mostly over the phone. And, uh, I, I asked if I could do a hypnosis session with her. Like I was desperate. Like I was, this was a dark, point in my life like I was really mixed up with this stuff and I went to her hotel room and in the big casino there and and there's a very formal process of you know lying on the bed and she sat next to me and sort of walked me through this whole thing very very soft spoken she has this voice this very whispery voice mm -hmm. you know I'm surprised that like the people at the grocery store when she like makes her change and stuff like that don't zone out <laughs> she's got this voice that just slays me this very sweet soft mm -hmm. kind of motherly voice it's really remarkable now so she took me to the point which was a very troubling memory i have it's a missing time memory with an associated light in the sky and i and it was i was 12 years old at the time and mm -hmm. she took me to this site and this moment and i just i had some really like vivid like i remembered the street corner i was on i remembered the boy i was with the other boy mm -hmm. from my junior high school at that time and 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 i I could just feel myself seizing up. I just was so tense. Like it wasn't a peaceful thing. I was tense, tense, tense. And, and I 
started crying and it just I couldn't go through with it and 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 I was like so if you want to break down emotionally mm-hmm. and have a compassionate person next to you 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 have Barbara Lamb sitting next to you when that happens exactly. it, was, it was she was she's a therapist so she was she was so wonderful now mm-hmm. like we had a long talk after that like why did I get so upset and literally as I was leaving like I was upset you know, here I'm at a UFO conference and I'm struggling. I'm much more at peace these days. Mm-hmm. But at the time she said something she as I was leaving, she kinda like like looked me right in the eye and said she said to me, There is something so lovable about you. Mm. And that meant a lot to me. And it was mm-hmm. the, it was in a way the exact right thing for her to say. That might not be what a therapist should say, but it was exactly what helped me in that yeah. moment. So, yeah, I held the floor here for a little bit, but yeah, like I knew just what it meant to lay on the couch there and have Barbara walking you through these this other realm. Yeah, yeah, that. Well, I had you know Barbara had come to our ET Media Group uh, meetings. And I kind of fell in love with her then. I knew she was different than a lot of the other guests in the sense of we had other hypnotherapists and other um, uh, sort of abductee uh, speakers. And, 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 and this is when I was diving deep into the phenomenon. Something as, as traumatic as it, and it sounds like you, you've probably had some traumatic experiences, as traumatic as it, as it, is for many people the bigger picture story for me it wasn't adding up to to say that the that all these ets are nefarious and and we're we're, you know they're gonna take over the world and they're all demonic or whatever there's some people are pushing that narrative it just the evidence didn't match that but yet you did have people who were very traumatized by by these events and Barbara sort of had this way about her and she sort of had a little bit different story about it. She had dealt with a lot of people who had the trauma, but she also had a very positive outlook on the experience. And that really, um, I guess vibed with, with the story that I wanted to tell about the phenomenon. So you wanted to tell a story that had a good vibe about it. Is that, I'm, is that clouding the evidence or is that, you know, because I know just what that means. Like, I, I know what yeah. I want this phenomena to be. I want it to be love and light and joy and angels and sure. beautiful, magical space aliens coming here to, to deliver us from our darkest days. I, that, I would love that. But I don't know if that's true. But so, Well, I, I go back to what we were just talking about earlier about following your excitement and how following your excitement isn't necessarily always the easiest path. And... Yeah, there's some rough parts about our evolution, the human species going through uh, an awakening. You have to, uh, you know, have the bad and the good, and you have to overcome those bad situations to get to get to the next level. And this is why, I, I, you know, the the deeper I've I've gone with with the, my interviews and, and everything else is, and this is going back to that self-empowerment story is we, we are deciding, we're deciding if it's bad or good. 
individually and collectively. And if you just if you say, oh, this is a bad thing, okay, so the the abductee phenomenon, yes, there's there's lots of unpleasance about it, and I'm not gonna negate the the that because I've talked to several people and I haven't really talked to, talked to you about your experience other than what you just shared with me and it and I know and I can see and I can I have friends who are still traumatized by their uh, experiences and Whitley Schreiber has gone into much detail and but when you pull back and you go into the bigger story and you look at you can wallow in the sadness or you can take the bigger picture outlook and you can see what kind of growth and what kind of um, evolution has come from the experience. And if you follow that string of thought and that path, then, then there's actual positivity at the end of the tunnel, so to say. There's an actual bigger picture. There's more, there's more positivity to, to gain out of these experiences than negativity. And it really is your perspective on it. So no matter what, sure, these negative, so to say, in our perspective and how we see negative and positive, these negative experiences do happen, are happening. But you're not going to overcome them if you stick with that same, uh, I'll use the word, limited paradigm perspective. And that's not to put anybody down for their perspective, but it's just that if you don't shift out of a victim mentality, you're going to stay in victim mentality. And that's, you You have to take the reins. And you can go through your life and say, well, that this was horrible and this was a bad thing and I never want that to happen again. But at least now you're in charge of your reality and you're taking the action points as opposed to just wallowing in the sadness and saying, okay, this thing happened, whatever. And I, and, and I know that's kind of a, it's a hard thing to say, especially if you are in that situation, if the, these things have happened to you and you are in that dark place, it's kind of like a big kick in the butt <laughs> to what I just said. But, you know, in, in the, I, I think, you know, personally, just from my experience and from what I've seen with people, you kind of have to just fess up and say, okay, I need to shift my view on this in order to get through it. And the, the experience itself is that kick in the butt. So it's not you kicking yourself in the butt in a way. I mean, you have to, you know, you are confronted with something. Yeah. This is this was the challenge. This is tough. It's. I mean, I was confronted with events, mostly in the form of synchronicities and irrational owl sightings. Like I was seeing so many owls for a few years. It was berserk. People would be with me and they would be like, they were like, this is weird. And it was. <laughs> and And I was in a place with a lot of owls, but wow. So, like, whatever, society, mm -hmm. you know, my high school science class, my parents taught me that the world is one way, mm -hmm. right? It, it was linear. It was cause and effect. It was not mystical. Mm -hmm. Society said, this cannot happen. But from my direct experience, it was happening. And that is, that is tough. That's a very lonely place to be. And so, so you're doing your series. I'm doing my series on owls. You're like, people say, what's the owl mean? Mm -hmm. Is the owl good or bad? That's a, there's a lot of lore. There's a lot of folklore yeah. that's bad about the owl. Sure. I'm not finding that in my research. Right. And, and I say, the owl is, is the totem of a challenge. The owl is not a light, fluffy, 
totem. Mm -hmm. The owl is symbolic in many ways. is the symbol of the UFO contact experience. Yep. It's symbolic. Mm -hmm. And that symbol is tough. That is a tough thing to confront. And, and it's individual. Everyone has to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that, and that's, that's ultimately why, yes, I am sort of steering the narrative on my series and the ET phenomenon. And when I go and speak at UFO conferences, uh, I tend to, in fact, I was just at a conference here up in Big Bear um, a couple weeks ago. We had George Norrie and uh, uh, who else was up there? We had Nick Pope and several others were talking about the phenomenon. And George goes around the room asking people about their thoughts on the phenomenon. And everybody had a negative perspective on the phenomenon. I'm the only one that was like, no, you know, it's, uh, you know, if they wanted to come and uh, rape and pillage and take over the world, it would have been a lot easier to do it a long time ago, or even now, why are they waiting? You know, this is, this is not what the phenomenon's about. The phenomenon is about us waking up to who we are. And that is a kick in the pants, especially because a lot of us has gotten really comfortable in believing the world is a certain way. And it's uncomfortable to do something that's not the norm. And it can be, <laughs> don't I know it? Yeah. Keep going. And keep you going. know it. Yeah. yeah. No, and you know it in your exploration and, you know, doing the show and, you know, being ridiculed or, you know, being shunned. And trust me, I've been down this path for 10 years now. So I've, I, I, I can't count. I, I mean, I, I wish I could count the number of eyes rolled every time I spoke about the subject, but at the end of the day, I feel I've gained so much personal self, um, empowerment, um, enrichment. My, my, my life is never boring. Um, I have amazing synchronicities, um, and they continue to happen and it continues to grow and, and more and more and more. And that's because I'm open. I've opened myself like Barbara, like yourself, we've opened ourselves up to, to something different, something new. And I think we tend to, uh, when we do that, we always are looking at the positive side of the phenomenon. Yes, there's some negative aspects to it, but if we can just shift our perspective slightly, you know, um, one of the generals talks about this a lot, that anxiety, nervousness, and excitement, when you evaluate, when you look at them frequency-wise, they're very close there's just a slight adjustment that needs to be made when you're worrying about something or if you're excited about something. It's it's so close in, in the actual vibrational frequency of what that energy is. So why not take the shift? Let's stop worrying about stuff and just get excited about it. And and what, what do you have to lose? And what do you have to gain? And what do you have to gain? Yeah. So much more to gain. And if you if you if something does show up in your reality that you don't like because you're excited about it and you pursue it, at least now you can experience it and say, you know what? I tried that. Uh, it's not for me. So, but if you're worried, well, I wonder what it's going to taste like. It may not taste good. It may taste bad. It may be, you know what? And you just, uh, all these scenarios are going in your head and you never know. You never know if you don't try. So at least try it. At least you know, take a sample of the food, put it in your mouth. And if you don't like it, 
you know what? You can say no. And, and, and I think that's the difference between that anxiety of worrying and the following your passion and excitement and being open to these ideas and things and, uh, and be discernive. I, you know, a big part of this world too is, uh, especially when, for the newbies who are just coming into this information and seeing this, it's, it's, it, you know, uh, in one of my interviews the, with Adam Apollo, he says, it's a minefield of disinformation out there, which is absolutely correct. There's so many different takes on this, on this phenomenon, so many different people who have, so, who are praising, they have the magic pill that's gonna, you know, this is the way this phenomenon exists and the way it is and whatever. And for those people who resonate with that, great, go, go, go do that and whatever. But just know that there's a lot out there to choose from. And, and like what Bruce Lee used to say is take what is useful disregard what is useless and then ultimately make whatever it is uniquely yours and that's the sort of the philosophy and the the, the outlook that i've had on this phenomenon and in my day-to-day -day life uh, as a martial artist as a researcher as a as an experiencer and it's been nothing but absolute joy uh even the hard stuff i've gone through some hard points and and i pull back and especially now you look back at those times and you're like, wow, that was really tough, you know, getting shot at in Guatemala last year while filming a documentary, um, you know, meeting Mayan elders going and, you know, it's, it's, you're getting some really tough situations. But at the same time, you're just like, wow, I'm just like I can appreciate life when you you kiss death. You're so close to it. Uh, you can enjoy things a lot better. And it just makes this experience much more, you know, you just appreciate every every moment. You know, I've often thought about the UFO issue in in this and I and I frame it this way because I think it's true. Right. So you have like if you have two people with UFO experiences and they sit down to talk mm -hmm. and if these are thoughtful people, it should be about three minutes into the conversation where they start asking the really big questions. Why am I here? What does it all mean? Mm -hmm. What's my purpose? And there's other people, I don't want to use the term, but let's say people who are having a more superficial conversation about the UFO thing. I would say that some of the conversations taking place in the New York Times, from my direct experience, are superficial. Sure. They should be asking, what does it mean? What is our place in the universe? Who am I? Who are we? Yeah. And, and your show... With one person and one camera, or a couple of cameras, and, and, and you <laughs> quite know, a few cameras, yeah, <laughs> quite a few cameras and a few tripods, and a, and um, you know, sometimes the wind shows up in the yeah. microphone. You are doing what the New York Times is not doing, and I and I have to thank you for that. Well, thank you, and and I, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad the New York Times is is finally brave enough to go where they're going now, if, and I am too, yeah, but. You know, they weren't brave when we did the citizen hearing. They uh, we got a small write up on the back page. You know, it was mostly ridicule for most of the week until the very end. So they weren't brave enough then. But, you know, we you know, when you go deep enough into this, then you realize, you know, about the different agendas and the different um, cabals and the different things that are going on, the different strings that are pulling the world and making it work. So you're not I have a bigger picture uh 
idea on all on all of that now. So you kind of don't get upset about it as much anymore. You kind of like, oh, okay, if this is how it is, then I, then there really is nothing left to do but take my cameras and go, you know, film some guys. And you know, we have this amazing technology called the internet now. Let's see what happens. And and it's changed the world. It has. It has. And I and I can say, so I came forward with my UFO experiences, my contact experiences, and, and there's been a little bit of bad. I've had, definitely had some eye rolling, and I, I'm, mm -hmm. no one's said anything bad to my face. A few people have, but it's insignificant. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're saying behind my back, but I don't care. But, you know, so, yes, so on an individual basis, there's hard work to be done, and, and I'm glad you're doing it. Well, I appreciate you for doing your work and for, for giving – me a platform to even talk about it in this in this form and fashion which is something you know the mainstream news is uh is not quite there yet but you know it's happening people are having these experiences the 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 military pilots are talking the the yeah it's just more and more and the more people that the the more the the more of the conversation the more we do this the more we we make it okay and the more we we don't shun our uh, fellow human beings for for having this conversation or having these experiences or talking about the experiences, uh, the more accepting we are of it, then the more it can shine. The more people will then feel not ridiculed and they'll come forward and and then it'll just become the norm. It, it kind of already is in my world. It is. This is like the normal conversation I have every day. It's my world too, yeah. <laughs> but for others, uh, I was having a, a mentioned uh, in our emails leading up to this. My construction guy came over today and doing some construction, and he sort of opened up to uh, his whole world is being turned around because concepts like these and these ideas he hadn't even considered, and he sort of opened himself up to letting me share. I've known the guy for for ten years, and I've never shared what I do. <laughs> and this morning, it was. We had we were having coffee, and this is why I got kind of late on our call here, is because we, I started going into uh, everything, and and it's it's people like him, you know, everyday people who have sort of subscribed to specific uh, religious doctrines, had not even considered or even opened themselves up to this, but things are happening in their lives now that cannot be ignored. Uh, the synchronicities, the the uh, the other people um, having conversations, uh, being sort of falling into conversations about certain subjects, uh, thinking outside of the box than their normal ways of thinking. And, and, and I would say even just the gut feeling that I think yeah. any thoughtful person has. Absolutely. Like, wow, there's more to this. Yes. And maybe maybe that's the artist in me and, and that the scientist wouldn't resonate with that, but I, I sure do. Well, even the scientists now have to, you know, we're at a point now where finally quantum physics is becoming mainstream, uh, you know, but it's just now being talked about. It's just now being sort of led into the mainstream. Um, so the conversation is happening. The people are starting to uh, not ex accept the status quo and we're shifting the status quo very quickly. And that's that's this great you know, awakening this, this age of Aquarius, the, uh, the ascension, the, you know, all these labels we have for this time we're in. And, uh, so for some of us, we wanted it to happen yesterday, but it's really a time of celebration and seeing, you know, 
a show like mine being led on to a you know network and you know your show with the audience it has um it's, it's quite exciting you know we can have this conversation now yeah i i agree i agree yeah hey how do people get in touch with you I have a number of websites. My sort of my personal main website is is rubenlangdon.com. Uh, rubenlangdon.com is my sort of main. I have we didn't really talk about it much, but I have another career in acting and stunts that sort of is running parallel to this researcher, you know, the interview with Ed guy. Um, and I still do that world with video game production and and stunts and working in blockbuster films, and that's always fun. Uh, so. Ruben Langdon is sort of like the hub where you can get access to to all of it, to my my acting career, stunt career, and also to my documentary film career, which is becoming more and more of a mainstream career for me now. And then my TV show is uh, interviewwithed.org, uh, all one word. So if you go there, that can kind of get you to where you need to go, whether you, if you have a Gaia uh, subscription you can go see it on Gaia or if you um, not everybody is a fan of that and they can go see it on Vimeo and I'll be releasing season two uh, starting next month this is really exciting now going into this I I, I just I would I was watching your show and, and my partner Andrew and I would sit on the couch and she was like you got to interview this guy you got to talk to this guy I'm like, <laughs> yeah I do I do I guess we went right we got into the stickiest peanut butter during this talk but I think it was it was an important uh, yes, we live in tough, dangerous, scary times on one level. At the same time, I need to be optimistic. I just, it's in my bones. I wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning if there wasn't some, some ray of hope. Yeah, well said. Ruben, this has been a delight. Yes. This has been great. Thank you, Andrea, for, for the suggestion, for having me on, for the great conversation. I sure will. I sure will. And I wish you great success in this upcoming season. And like you are wallowing in the sticky peanut butter. Wow. You are going way out there and more power to you. Well, thank you. It is, it is magical and, and having fun with it. Great. This was wonderful. Thanks. Thank you. This is Mike, and I am chiming in after the editing. Uh, this episode went a little bit long, so I'm going to keep this very short. I just want to thank Ruben one more time for coming on this show and for doing this very curious, personal little show that he is doing. Uh, as I said in the beginning, channeling is full of pitfalls. Yes, there is plenty of reasons to ignore it or dismiss it outright, but I really wanted to let Reuben, I guess, sort of speak his truth. And and I found his excitement and enthusiasm really infectious. So after I finished this interview, I was I was in a really good mood. And and I and I think that's important in a field that can be so serious and heavy. So once again, thank you, Reuben. And before we go, I should include one detail, and I, and I had this on my notes, and I never got around to saying it during the interview. I went through a period in the late 1990s where I was compulsively reading channeled books. 
I read the full Conversations with God series by Neil Donald Walsh. I read a few of the Seth books, and I read a bunch of other stuff by less popular authors than those two, and I found it very helpful. I found it very therapeutic reading that material when I was experiencing a troubled point in my life. And and I wish I had said that during the show, and I didn't, but you get to hear it now. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.